0: Let's read the word of the Lord together, shall we? Luke 23, beginning at verse 33. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Now skip down to verse 39 and let's read. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today You shall be with me in paradise. Now, Lord, open our hearts that we may hear, receive, not so much what the preacher is going to say today, but what the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I pray especially for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. And I ask that you will draw them back to a place of repentance. Oh, Lord, look with mercy and compassion upon them. Send the Holy Spirit after them to draw them. Don't let one of them be lost, I pray. I thank you for hearing our prayer today. I thank you for what you have already done And I thank you for the promise of what you're going to do. I pray all of these things today in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The picture is a very familiar one. Three crosses silhouetted against a clouded sky. On each cross hangs a man, dying a brutally agonizing death. A small crowd looks on, not wanting to watch, but unable to look away. On the outside crosses hang criminals. We aren't told their names, just that they were criminals. Thieves is the common title. But in their anonymity, those men become our representatives. On one of the crosses hangs a criminal who jeers, ridicules, and hurls abuse at the man on the middle cross. This is the cross of rejection. This is the unbelieving man. This is the selfish man. This is the remorseless man. In all likelihood, this man had heard of Jesus. No doubt he had learned of his claims from others. It's entirely possible that he had witnessed one of the many miracles performed by Jesus, for they weren't done in secret, but were out in the open for all to see. In spite of knowing the words of the prophets, in spite of hearing the testimony of the people in spite of witnessing the miracles performed this man remains unbelieving writhing in agony he yet refuses to believe coming to the last moment of his life he rejects the only hope of eternal life there's no remorse there's no repentance He's guilty of the crimes of which he is accused. Everybody knows he's guilty. Even he knows he's guilty. But there is no shame. There is no pleading for forgiveness. There is only a sarcastic challenge thrown in the face of the sinless one. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. Don't misunderstand me. I don't want to change my ways. I don't want to change my thoughts, I don't want to change my priorities, I don't want to change my motivation, I just want to get out of the misery I'm in. The only thing I want to change is my circumstance. If I can get down off this cross, I'll go right back to doing just exactly what I was doing before, only this time I'll do it smarter so I won't get caught like I did the last time. It's the cross of rejection. And it's the same attitude we see in our world today. See, everybody wants things to be different as long as nothing changes. Everybody wants their life to be better as long as they can have it on their terms. Problems we have in our world today are a direct result of our rejection of God's law, God's plan, God's will. We've gone our own way. We've ignored the commandments, reducing them to good suggestions or dismissing them as quaint ideas. Relics of a bygone era, but certainly not applicable in our enlightened age. As a result, we found ourselves in more trouble than we can ever hope to escape. See, we've ignored the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. As a result, we've dismissed the judgment of God and lost the sense of the absolute. We've ignored that second commandment, you shall not make any graven image. In so doing, we've opened the door to heathenism and paganism and faith has become nothing more than a do-it-yourself kit. We've ignored the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And our language has become base and coarse. Four-letter words have become the order of the day. Our communication is distorted, and that which is holy has become common and degraded. We've ignored that fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Consequently, we've exhausted ourselves and our resources, always trying to get the jump on the other guy, always trying to get ahead. We end up frustrated and suffering from physical disorders brought about by a lack of quality rest. We've ignored the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. As a result, we've lost the meaning of respect. And if children don't respect their parents, they don't respect their teachers. If they don't respect their teachers, they don't respect law enforcement officers. If they don't respect law enforcement officers, they don't respect the law. If they don't respect the law, then we have anarchy and rebellion and increased violence and crime. We've ignored the sixth commandment. You shall not murder, and life has become cheap. We're destroying our future by killing our offspring before they can be born. Murder goes unpunished. Any perceived injustice becomes a twisted rationale to indiscriminately take innocent lives, and we live in a state of fear. We've ignored the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. We've lost the sanctity of the home. When the trust in the covenant of the home is lost, we live solely by our feelings and what we think will make us happy. We've ignored the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Consequently, we find ourselves living in fear for our private property. We're concerned that our private information that is stored digitally in the cloud is going to be hacked and distributed for the world to see. Nothing is safe, and it's no wonder that security has become one of the largest businesses in the world as we try to protect what belongs to us. How am I doing? Y'all okay with this? We've ignored the ninth commandment you shall not bear false witness. So our contracts are null and void. Our signatures on paper mean nothing. Our word has no validity, and there's no way we can engage in enterprise. We've ignored the tenth commandment you shall not. Covet and we've lost the sense of personal achievement and development, and the result of that is manipulation and exploitation. The bulk of this world is clinging to the cross of rejection, as a result, this world is in terrible shape and only getting worse. The man on the cross of rejection had no remorse, only ridicule, and in death. He was forever lost. On the the opposite side, there was another man on another cross. And this was the exact opposite of this first man. Whereas the first was the cross of rejection, the cross on the other side was the cross of repentance. When the first thief mocked and ridiculed, this man rebuked him. He didn't try to justify himself. He didn't try to escape his punishment. He acknowledged his guilt. He said in verse 41, we are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. At the same time, he recognized the sinless nature of Jesus. He said, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then in the middle of his agony, we hear his plea For mercy. Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Even though Jesus is being crucified just like he was, even though Jesus is suffering just like he was. He was able to see past the humiliation and the suffering and recognize Jesus as ruling over a future kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. In that cry for mercy, this thief was looking back in hope to the words of the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verse 32, and he was anticipating the message of the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.21. And it will come about that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. There was remorse for past transgressions. There was repentance for sin. There was recognition of Jesus as the one who would reign as king. And there was a plea for remembrance. Remember me, Jesus. Don't forget about me. Don't cast me aside. Don't ignore me. Don't hold my sins against me. Somehow, Jesus, if you can find it in your heart, have mercy on me. Remember, I was the one who rebuked the reviling thief. Remember, I was the one who took up for you in your dying moments. Remember that I was the one who acknowledged my guilt but pleaded for mercy. Remember me. That's a powerful prayer. Remember me. Watch this. Somehow, I think it goes beyond just asking for Jesus to keep him in mind and extend mercy. But it reaches to another place and another dimension. See, this is a broken man. This is a man whose bones in the crucifixion have been pulled out of joint. This is a man whose body has been beaten, bloodied, and disfigured. His body is an outward picture of the condition of his inward soul. His soul is fragmented, broken. His soul is beaten beyond recognition by the penalty of sin. His soul is ravaged by the brutality of his transgressions. This man is totally broken. His mind is tormented. His guilt is almost too great to bear. And his, in his dying moments, he cries to Jesus, remember me. I've been torn apart. I've been dismembered. Won't you put me back together again? In your kingdom, Will you have mercy on me and allow me into your presence? Not maimed, not broken, not fragmented, but whole. Lord Jesus, remember me. Put me back together again. Oh, there there just might be somebody who's part of this service today who wants to pray that same prayer. Jesus remember me i'm broken i'm fragmented i can't seem to put the pieces of my life together i need your forgiveness i need your mercy i need your grace put me back together body mind soul spirit remember me can i just tell you today that the lord specializes in remembering people Putting broken lives back together is his specialty. No matter where you're broken, no matter where you're torn, no matter how badly you're fragmented, if you'll call on him, he'll remember you. And I'm telling you, you don't have to wait until the invitation is given. You don't have to wait for a certain song to be sung. You don't have to wait for the sermon to be finished. You don't have to wait for the elders to come forward. Right now, if you're broken, if you're pulled apart, if you're desperate, go ahead and call on the Lord. Oh, Lord, remember me. Don't forget a hurting soul. Don't ignore me when I'm struggling. Don't turn away when I'm broken. Remember me. Today, if you'll call on the Lord, his promise is the same to you as it was to that dying thief on the cross. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you'll discover what it's like to have all the pieces put back together. (laughs) today I'll make you whole today you'll get to experience a little bit of heaven on earth today today I'll remember you how many of you know the reality of what I'm preaching today how many of you know what it's like for the Lord to remember you to put you back together where you've been broken Somebody ought to just take a moment and thank the Lord for remembering them. You you were broken, you should have been scattered all over God's creation, but he put up the pieces and he put all the broken pieces back together again and remembered you and shaped you and formed you and fashioned you into something that rises to the praise of his glory. That ought to make somebody happy today. Praise be to God. On one side is the cross of rejection. On the other side is the cross of repentance. But it's the cross in the middle that is the focal point. There on that middle cross is the Lord Jesus Christ dying for the sin of the whole world. It's the cross of redemption. Make no mistake about it. Jesus isn't paying the penalty for his sin on that cross, for he knew no sin. Instead, he's paying the penalty for your sin and for my sin. It it should have been us hanging on the cross. But Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, took our place. At the cross, Jesus satisfied everything that was required. He paid everything necessary to redeem you from the bondage of sin and satisfy its penalty. At the cross, he bore your sin. At the cross... He carried your grief. At the cross, he signed your pardon. At the cross, he paid your ransom. At the cross, he bore your shame in his own nakedness. At the cross, he conquered your enemies. At the cross, he spoiled the principalities that were arrayed against you. At the cross, he thwarted Satan's attempt to destroy the plan of God. At the cross, he became the ultimate sacrifice. He let them nail his hands so your hands could be lifted in praise. He let them nail his feet so your feet could be free to walk in his light. He let them break his heart so your heart could be mended. He let them beat his back so you could be healed. He let them give him a crown of thorns so you could wear a crown of glory. He let them offer him a bitter cup so you could drink from living water. He let them mock him so you could have dignity. He let them drag him into an unjust courtroom so you could be justified. He let them falsely condemn him so you could have mercy. He let them take away his rights so you could have grace. He let them strip him so you could be clothed with righteousness. He let them put him through agony so you could be mentally strong. He let them scream at him so you could have peace of mind. He allowed himself to be separated from the Father so you could be reconciled to the Father. He allowed himself to die so you could live. I'm telling you, Jesus paid it all. Through the work of redemption, the Lord Jesus doesn't just buy you back from the slave market of sin. He doesn't just erase the penalty and satisfy the payment of sin. But this redeemer now comes to you and unlocks the limitless promise and potential of your human soul. Because of his work of redemption on the cross, when Satan says can't, Jesus says, can. When Satan says, owed, Jesus says, paid. When Satan says, do, Jesus says, done. When Satan says, failure, Jesus says, forgiven. When Satan says, defeat, Jesus says, victory. When Satan says, bound, Jesus says, free. When Satan says impossible, Jesus says potential. When Satan says final, Jesus says favor. (laughs) In his book, Six Hours on Friday, Max Lucado writes, standing before the cross, life is no longer futile. Mistakes are no longer fatal. Death is no longer final. Aren't you thankful for the cross of redemption today? On Calvary's hill, there are three crosses. On the cross in the middle hangs Jesus, the Son of God, bearing the sin of the world. It's the cross of redemption. On either side hang two criminals. One hangs on the cross of rejection. The other hangs on the cross of repentance. Each of us is identified by one of those crosses today. Every day you are identifying with one of those crosses. You are either rejecting or you are repenting. You're either walking away from Jesus Or you're walking toward him you are either stubbornly insisting on your own way or you are submissively surrendering to his will you are either calling out in mockery save yourself and save us or you are crying out for mercy remember me perhaps I'm preaching to someone who hasn't yet surrendered your life to Jesus haven't received his redemption. Maybe your cry today is the one that says, Jesus, remember me. If so, then this is the best place and this is the best time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. This is the best time for his redeeming work to touch your life. This is the best time for you to be remembered just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to pray. If you need a touch of heaven on your life, if there's a place in your life that is broken and you need to be remembered, then I want you to come. I'm going to ask you to come and stand here in the front. Today is the day the Lord can put all the pieces back together and make you whole. See, this isn't just an invitation for those of you who have never surrendered your life to Jesus, who have never prayed to follow Jesus. This is an invitation for anyone who has a place in your life that is broken and needs to be remembered. I'm telling you, God specializes in that. I don't know what it is for you. Somebody's already come. If that's you, let's all stand, please. And if you have a place where you need Jesus to remember you, would you come now? And maybe you are coming to Jesus for the first time. I don't know the condition of your soul. Only you and Jesus know that. Whatever it is, today is the day. This is the place for you to be made whole. While you stand here, why don't you just look to the Lord and just say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I can't do this myself. Remember me. Put me back together. Put all the pieces back. Remember me. I'm going to ask some of our elders that are present in the house today, I'm going to ask you if you would come and join me in prayer for these people. If you'll just come and stand with me and pray with these people. And those of you in the congregation, maybe the maybe you sense the urging of the Holy Spirit to particularly pray for someone who has come down. Would you come and and just gently put your hand on their shoulder and pray with them and believe with them and with me that Jesus is going to indeed confirm his word this morning and he's going to put these broken pieces back together all over this house. Would you just begin to pray with us? And worship with us together as we minister in prayer to these people.
1: I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch. Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow oh Jesus paid faded paid it all. with me,
2: church. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's praise Him and worship Him in this house together.
0: Bless the name of the Lord. Come on.
2: Oh, praise the one.
0: One more time, would you? Jesus paid it all, all
1: to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain.
0: you just lift your hands in thanksgiving to the Lord right now and out of your mouth just offer your praises and your thanks to the Lord for his work his completed work in your life thank you Lord thank you for hearing our prayer today thank you Lord praise God praise God